Welcome to the next episode of NorCal and Shill. Today's guest is Bobber Avzal. You can find him on Twitter at Bobber Avzal, which is spelled B-A-B-E-R-A-F-Z-A-L. His website is BobberAvzal.com and his Instagram is at Bobber Avzal. He's a website designer and visual artist. and He has transitioned full-time into NFTs in 2021. His passing clients include the Office of His Highness, the Crown Prince of Dubai, as their fine art photographer, Porsche, and EMAAR. His awards include the IPA Awards 2013 and 14, second place for architecture and 16 honorable mentions, Sony World Photography Awards 2018. He's been featured on Petapixel, F-Stoppers, DJI and National Geographic Photo Competition, Capture One Pro, Adorama, SLR Lounge. He served as an ambassador for Capture One Pro, DJI, and Format High Tech Filters. You can find his work on Maker's Place, Foundation, and OpenSea. Everyone, please welcome Bobber. Hey, Bobber. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Norkel. I'm good. How's everything going with you? Pretty good. It's actually... It's been raining here and the sun is out today and not too cold outside. Yeah, a good start to my day. I know you're finishing up your day. Yeah, I just got back getting some uh, white chocolate crepe. So <laughs> as a dessert for myself, just to treat myself, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's almost like I guess uh, it's after dinner. So it's like almost 10 p.m. for me here. Yeah, well, that's exactly like 12 hour difference. Uh, it's 10 a.m. here. Yeah, I think those are the daytime saving that you guys have. I guess that's why it's like 12 hours. Usually it's 11 hours. That's what I've noticed. But yeah, it's cold. It's chilly outside. It's raining for the last four or five days here. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's raining in Dubai. So <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre, but yeah, it feels good for a change. You know, I miss the rain. Well, hey, that sounds good. That rain air is always nice. Oh, yes. And have it with chai, with some good tea. Oh, it's a bliss. But yeah, you should definitely visit when you get the chance to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's on the list. There's a lot of places I want to visit now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you use a hardware wallet? Don't kill me for this. <laughs> I have it, <laughs> but I don't use it because I'm too afraid to use it. So because I just don't know, like, you know, because I've heard horror stories of how people have put their stuff in there and they can't retrieve it because of some problem or issues with their face. So it scares the living deal out of me. Well, I mean, baby steps. You just got to start off small. I mean, I'm sure, I, I don't know, but I mean, you could get some cheap NFT and test it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can, that's actually not a bad idea. But I want to ask you, like, once you transfer the NFT to your wallet, does it like delist it from the platform so no one can bid on it? So basically your wallet, you have an address and anyone can always see what's on that address. So if I 
happen to know what your wallet address is, I can look at it on OpenSea and see what is on that ledger. Your hardware wallet is like, uh, it holds your keys basically. So you have to physically say, yes, I want to sell this or I want to move this. That's what it helps do with. Okay. Okay. I just need to, yeah, as you said, you know, I have to try it like one baby step at a time. Just try with the most simplest, cheapest thing, which I can afford to lose. Just go with that and see how it goes. Yeah. Just something easy. Yeah. No, I mean, I use the ledger. I have the ledger. I think it's a nano, nano S and nano X, one of the two. It's not the Bluetooth version. It's the wire one. So. Okay. The X. Yes. The S. Yeah. yeah. I think, or is it the S? I don't know. It might be the S. I bought it like some time ago, but I never got the chance to uh, play around with it. I've configured it and everything, but yeah, but I haven't like initiated any kind of transactions because I don't know. I don't want to goof up or do anything stupid. You know, like, it's like, okay, I have this. I- you could start, <laughs> you could start off with like, you know, just moving some ETH back and forth. Cause that's relatively cheap to do. Yeah. 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 That's true. And then connect it to your MetaMask and then you can easily start to try nfts oh yeah for sure absolutely i think i'll definitely do that i think i'll do that as my next step it is intimidating i mean because there's no tech support (laughs) oh yeah that's true so it's like you're on your own basically with it you know so i think i'll have to watch some youtube videos before because i mean if you send it to the wrong address you can't get it back oh shit yeah (laughs) it's all on you if anything happens yeah I mean, it's it's awesome because no one can prevent you from moving it anywhere you want, but you also can't get it back if you send it somewhere wrong. Yeah, I have to be extremely careful, you know. That's why, like, I thankfully I managed to configure it smoothly and everything works fine. It's just that I haven't yet. I've heard there were issues people were facing with MetaMask and Ledger. So I'm like, okay, I would not do that, link it with the hardware in there. So I'll just use its own software, which exists, and just go with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard different issues and I've heard occasionally, I've heard they fixed them. I heard like Google Chrome browser was a little like having issues recently. So I don't know. I usually use like Brave or Firefox. I use Brave. I started using Brave, I think six, seven months ago. I read a Twitter post, like, I don't know if it was DC investor or who did, but they, or 6529, I guess some, one of them had a long thread regarding securities. It was like, have a browser. I have a Brave browser. I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so I had to install it and transfer everything from Chrome to there. So now I don't use Chrome anymore. So it is good. But yeah, I haven't yet used the Brave's own wallet. It has its own. They recently introduced it. And I was like, oh, I don't know how this stuff works. But I haven't gone there yet. So I haven't even tried. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your first thoughts when you heard about nfts so this goes back to the clubhouse days and i'm talking about it was end of december 2020 i was in a room and they were discussing about nfts i was like holy shit man this is like revolutionary it was mind-blowing what they were saying i had insomnia for two weeks (laughs) because i was that mind blown by what it's capable is, you know, what it's capable of. And the beauty about this new technology that's coming into fruition. I was like, man, okay, you know what? I have to first understand what the hell is a blockchain, you know? So I have to understand, like, go to the basics, watch YouTube videos, 
like what is an nft what is a blockchain you know get into crypto and all this and then luckily enough i was i don't know if you know david ariu david ariu yeah 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 so i came across him through facebook when he managed to successfully sell his first nft first couple of nfts back in february i believe and i was to triple eight or something like that but i hooked up with him and i said dude can you tell me more about this like you know how can i get into this thing because i'm still new to this so he was kind enough to add me to his closed group which is called you know get nft group so which was uh, you know a group of mainly 3d artists and uh, you had nest graphics in there and everyone was there and i was one of the few photographers in there including i think bella kotak as well she was there in it so and then that's when it all started so that was when like we were a part of this group discussing nfts having discord hangouts every once a week or like you know getting to find out like okay where do we start from so i think everyone was dying to get on foundation then <laughs> because we couldn't find anyone to get into foundation and i remember you know what as a test because i haven't minted anything before let me try rareable first because rareable was the most accessible place to go to so i tried rareable i minted my very first piece on there which i burnt it so it's off but i kind of like you know just as a test you know okay fine let me see how this goes and thankfully everything went smoothly but then i think a few weeks later i managed to get an invite for myself into foundation and this was somewhere in march and uh, yeah so that's when i decided to officially launch my first genesis piece on that platform and then this crave start at that time i remember so well that super rare is not what super rare is today you know it wasn't that it was still growing as because at that point in time i believe maker's place and super rare were neck on neck as far as i believe because beeple was about to have his drop on maker's place at that time so it was a totally different phase i would say i think i applied to both but i managed to get into maker's place uh, later like i think of two months later but it was nonetheless i would say a fascinating discovery and an experience you know to come across such a domain such a dimension i would say you know i've come across some some amazing artists especially 3d artists you know and they started to teach me 3d so i was like okay you know what no harm trying you know because i love always experimenting around i love to try new things so that's when i got into you know 3d because when you surround yourself mainly with 3d artists who are the best of the best it's bound to happen so it's like it's only a matter of time but i was like and photography was not trending at that time i remember it very well photography started trending somewhere in end of april may somewhere along those lines i remember when i don't know if you know cactus wins when he started to you know started collecting a lot at that point in time and people started you know like that's when i saw the ball rolling like okay you know what like there's some movement happening in photography but nonetheless it's been quite an amazing journey so far yeah it's been a good year for sure yeah it's been a revolutionary year i would say it's like i think this 2021 will go down in history books i believe so yeah a lot happened and the other thing which i had to get used to is 
the timeline that this environment is in, it's totally different compared to the world timeline. It's like a totally different. So I had to like, literally, you know, like, gosh, man, it's like, everything is at warp speed. So it's like, I remember because, you know, all this time I've been only observing. I've been observing when these board apes came out, when cool cats came out. I never bought into any of it because I was just like a keen observer. Okay, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I don't know why is everyone crazy about these apes, but let's see what happens, you know? So <laughs> now it's worth a fortune. So I kind of like regret it. I'm like, oh, I wish I just had one, you know, just got one at least. But I think that's, I've learned my lesson the hard way. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess, I mean, there's been so many different projects at this point. It's like a gamble. Oh, it is true. Did you invest into, did you get any? I did. I didn't get to mint them. They sold out. Like, <laughs> I remember someone messaged me like, hey, these apes are minting right now. And I was like, I was in bed checking my phone. I was like, I'm not getting out of bed to mint these. <laughs> and they sold out. And then the next day, MeBits came out. And then the everyone was talking up MeBits. And the Bored Apes market kind of came down. So, that's when I bought in. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. That phase did happen. I remember that. But I was so like, I just could not, you know, like, since I was totally new to this space, I could not comprehend why it's happening. But I kept questioning myself, like, what's going on? But I was like, you know, like, had I known the significance of it, I would have definitely got into it. But I remember the hype that back then, you know, everyone in that Get NFT group we were in, which had mainly you know, all these amazing 3D artists were discussing about it. They're like, oh, I got a board ape. I got a board ape. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I didn't feel a FOMO then. I feel it now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's been quite an experience. So what brought you to art or why did you choose art? It's a good one. I basically, so I wasn't really into photography or got into it till the year 2007, around that time i never took it seriously let me put it that way i mean i didn't even have a camera at that point so it was only when i went out with my friends and i had my sister's cybershot camera with me and i went out towards Murgula hills which is in islamabad it's a beautiful beautiful place it's like these hilltops where you can overlook the city and i don't know it's like when i was shooting just taking a camera and shooting around I was so fascinated by the light. The light of the sun was so beautiful and so crisp. I was like, wow, what an angle to shoot at, you know, what amazing thing to capture, you know? And then I got in, you know, I think it's mainly because being a computer engineer major, I did my bachelor's in that. So I was really fascinated by editing in the editing process. So I would spend a lot more time editing. And that time I was editing mostly in, uh, I don't know if you know, Apple Aperture. Uh, I don't. <laughs> so this was going way before iPhoto. It's like, so they used to have this professional application called Aperture. I used to use that then. Yeah. So uh, for editing purposes, and I was really blown away. Like, wow, look how those highlights are coming out, how the shadows are coming out. So I was like <laughs> playing around with the application and yeah, that's what really, you know, it gave me the opportunity to express my vision, you know, the way I see things. And 
you know, I think I'm sure you can sense it from my portfolio that my images don't really depict reality. They do, but at the same time, it's like mixed with surrealism in a way. So I tend to add my own touch to it or something which I say to give it a sense of meaning in how I view it, you know? So I think that's what really pulled me towards art, you know, as a way for me to express myself, these hidden emotions I have within myself. Because I also remember like, I mean, later on, I think it was in the year 2011 end or something like that. I had a really, I went through an extremely bad, let's say breakup. You know, I broke up like, I had a, like my relationship came to an end. And that's when I, I would say photography saved me at that time. You know, it's, it's like, because you could tell by looking at the images, I still have them. They look like shit. I'll show you. <laughs> I'm talking about 2012, 11, but it's like, they were really dark and grungy. So I think it was mainly because of the pain I was going through at that time. So I think that's why I was creating such dark imagery at that point in time in my life. But it really helped relieve the pain which I was having at that moment, you know. And that's when I started to really discover a lot of amazing artists and photographers, you know. I started connecting a lot back in 2012. And what basically happens is like when you lose someone you love, it creates a vacuum in you. And you try to find a way to fill that void. And in order to do so, I just started adding a lot of photographers on Facebook and Google Plus. Google Plus was really big back then. So I was like actively, you know, we had some photo walks in L.A. at that time. And I got to meet a lot of amazing photographers back then. So, yeah, that's how my journey started towards photography. All right. I like it. It's a good journey. It is a bit of an emotional journey, but also like. I would say like my art has always been evolving every step of the way. Like I have noticed a shift because what happens is that after a certain point in time, as an artist, you get, as myself, I can talk about it. Like I get fed up of, let's say, pursuing a particular style. I would say after some point, you're like, oh, you know what? It's time to do something innovative, do something different. You know, like now I've moved a lot into conceptual. So I'm now, you know, like adding in maybe elements of design into my imagery. So that's my next phase. Okay. Looking forward to that. No, for sure. It's going to be something definitely, I've already visualized it. It's just a matter of nailing the execution, you know, just getting it right. Just finding the right perspectives to tell a story or to make sense out of it, you know, so... But it already looks beautiful in my imagination. Let's hope I manage to pull it off. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure it will work out good. It's just that, like, I really look forward to it. I think that's my objective for this year, you know, because if there's one thing I've generally, and, you know, so as an artist, I think it's important to kind of find a way to separate yourself from the masses, you know, like to find something that's unique to you, that represents you, your identity. So that when people look at your work, they're like, ah, oh, that's Bobbers. Like, okay, this is something that only he can pull off. So, you know, that's always been my, I would say, my objective. You know, whether I do architecture or whether to do landscapes, people generally know me for my desertscapes. They're like, oh, this is definitely Bobbers work. Because I don't know, this is generally like, I think I have a certain style of shooting it. But yeah, I think that stylization comes with time, comes with experience, I would say. So I'm curious, what jobs have you done? along the way, other than being a photographer? 
Oh man. <laughs> I've done quite I wouldn't say odd jobs, but like I would say I used to work for, you know, like corporate jobs. Like in, I'm talking about 2006, 2008, I was working for I mean for the first half I was working for ABB Industries in sales support and then I moved into Siemens later. And in Siemens I was a business development executive. <laughs> so wearing a suit and a tie every day <laughs> going in the morning and uh, you know working in the public sector out here in the IT department cutthroat really like i would say well it was something like it struck me you know like when i was working there and i kept like you know making presentations and doing all that it's like every now and then i would question myself like you know is this life is this how life is supposed to be you know i kept internally questioning myself this because i'm like i believe i'm meant for something more than this you know so it was something that was speaking to me you know and i'm sure at some point everyone self reflects on their journey or what they're pursuing in life you know like what's their true calling and that was my job back then you know and but yeah and then i kind of like you know because of the recession that happened they were letting go of a lot of employees at that time and that also included me so i was let go of my job and that's when it really hit me that no matter how great a resume you have if a company doesn't need you anymore they don't need you simple it really hit me at that moment and that's when i really decided to i said you know you know what fuck it i said i'm just going to pursue what i really love doing and at that point in time it was photography which i was doing as a hobby at that point in time and i said okay you know what let me take this up and started like it was back in 2008 and yeah i would say it wasn't easy it was like initially i thought that okay getting gigs would be pretty easy but i was like nope <laughs> it wasn't as easy as i thought it would be but it was quite a struggle you know to get jobs but thankfully i feel blessed like i started off with doing a lot of real estate architecture so real estate photography so that's those were the first gigs i was getting back then and yeah you know i mean you know like my father may he rest in peace he really and my mother they really believed in my passion but my father said to me that if you're going to pursue this as your career in life you better start eating sleeping drinking photography i'm like i'm up for it he's like i'm down for it i don't care you know it's like put my head down and i did a lot of like all the editing processes or like whatever stylization i've learned is purely through my own experimentation and also thanks to some of my mentors who are some of the best in the world and who have really guided me and you know who educated me when it comes to editing aspects of it like but yeah you know it helped me evolve as an artist so i would say it's been quite an amazing journey so far you know and i'm still evolving i'm still learning every day you know every day i come across like you know okay how can we do this differently like for example when i got this campaign to do for porsche for example that was like that was out of the blue by the way they reached out to me because they read an article about me through my gallery back then and they said we want you on board you know i'm like wow they're like yeah we love your style we love your imagery and we would like to see what you can create for us I'm like all right I'm in <laughs> so, and I remember so it's like uh, they were I said okay you know like at that time I didn't know the full picture of what kind of imagery they wanted but then they said to me 
we need something that's never been done before. I'm like, all right, that sounds pretty simple. So <laughs> they said this to me on the call. I was like, obviously I was being sarcastic. But, I was like, but yeah, it was like, I had to come up with ideas in less than a week. Oh man. Oh yeah. It was, you know, like I had to do a lot of, you know, digging around and finding something that's never been done. And I came across a lot of inspiration, you know, at that point in time, I presented several concepts to them. One of them, which was drone light painting, which was inspired by Ruben Vu, uh, you know, so I was like, you know, so they're like, wow, we love this. And they were like, you ready to execute it? I'm like, yeah, you know, just bring it on. So yeah, that was one specific journey. Can I ask you one thing though? Yeah. Will you be cutting this off as well in between? No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oops. Because you start off the topic of what kind of jobs I had and I went on a tangent. Damn it. It happens with me. No, it's all good. It's all good. Or for the stories. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the jobs, you know, the other kind of jobs I did was primarily, I would say, you know, when I got into New York Film Academy, this was back in 2011 in LA. So yeah, I studied filmmaking back then. So I was there for like, I had was a crash course for one year, a boot camp and studied cinematography, editing, video editing. And the jobs, which I did after that, after I finished my diploma was primarily, you know, working as a video editor and a cinematographer for a production house in Hollywood at that time, which was, I don't know if you heard of Jukin Media. So it's a pretty big brand. They create a lot of these viral videos and stuff. So I was creating viral content for them as their video editor at that time. So I was working with them for like a year and a half. That was an amazing experience, you know. But yeah, these were mainly the jobs I had, you know. And I think when I came back to Dubai after 2013, I was blessed, like, again, through, I would say, I would say by destiny or like something like by by luck or to work for the office of the Crown Prince out here. And that was quite an experience. I was working with them for like a year, but, you know, I had to create some unique imagery for them of Dubai by that time. It was an, an amazing experience. Stressful. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I learned a lot working with the government at that time, you know, so it was, I feel honored and, and, you know, privileged to do so. And then later on, after I left my job there, I joined my father. And yeah, you know, when I joined my father, he was basically, you know, like he was running his old IT consultancy. So I joined hands with him and I was basically taking care of the content creation side of things, like, you know, creating content for clients could be from, you know, creating corporate videos or taking corporate headshots for clients and stuff. Yeah. So that was my objective at that point in time. Also doing interior photography, architectural photography for clients here and there. And that was also in the focus, but things changed drastically, especially after my father passed away. This was towards the end of 2016. And I would say because he was bringing like most of the business was being brought in through him, like he was being a consultant. So there was no way for me to take on his role. So there was no way, like obviously those contracts had to come to an end and I had to shift gears. And that's when I got into website designing. I had thankfully, you know, a team back in Pakistan. So they do a lot of website development. So I would pitch to clients revamping the websites primarily in WordPress. So WordPress and Shopify, 
So these were the two platforms, which was my core focus. And thankfully, you know, that's what's really helped us get through that hard time. Photography, unfortunately, wasn't, I would say, wasn't as active or like I was doing photography, but I wasn't getting enough like projects at that time. But it was website designing and development, which was helping us sustain at that moment. But obviously, it still wasn't easy. You know, it's like till end of 2020, you know, things thankfully really started picking up. Thankfully, Porsche campaign, which I got the chance to do. So that was a big sigh of relief. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey. I've come a long way. You know, it's we've been through a lot of I mean, the most difficult time for us was especially after my father died. You know, I mean, we had to like downsize ourselves. We had to shift from moving from a three bed to like a studio, you know, because we had to do house cuttings at that time, you know. Uh, But it was thankfully, like I would say, you know, I've learned one thing, like if you're persistent and if you don't give up, that's important. If you keep grinding, you will eventually the tough times fade away. But you have to keep that mindset. It's important to keep that approach in life that no storm lasts forever. So thankfully, I feel blessed now that, you know, I've come this far and here we are. So (laughs) thankfully. So, yeah. Wow. That's quite an answer for that one question. Hey, no, it's solid. We're here for the stories. Holy shit, man. Yeah. (laughs) That's a long one. Switching gears. Do you have a favorite food? Oh, man. Favorite food. I would say, can I name more than one or shall I just like stick to one? We can go, let's go up to two. Oh, damn, man. (laughs) I would say, I don't know if you've heard of Nihari. So Nihari is a Pakistani dish which is basically slow cooked beef, right? And with its own gravy. And it takes like, I think a good eight hours to cook, but man, it melts in your mouth. Oh man, it is damn good. I'm sure in LA you have it. I remember having it. There's one near the Lax Airport, a Pakistani restaurant. I'll find the name and I'll send it to you. It's a must have if you get the chance to. Oh, worth it. And burgers. <laughs> I love a good burger. I miss Omami Burger a lot. Oh, their burgers are amazing. <laughs> their fries, especially. <laughs> but yeah, these two are my favorite. Okay. All right. This sounds good. I mean, Nahari sounds great. Oh, you should try it. If you love beef, you'll definitely love this. Yeah. It's funny. The two, well, I guess a couple things that come to mind when you say like cooked, long, and slow, low. It's like Korean short ribs have like that really tender fall apart and then like corned beef. But yeah. Oh, yeah. You would die for it. Oh, I know for sure. Once you have it, I know. Oh, you squeeze some lemon on it or some, they give you some ginger as well. They give you some green chili as well. Oh, man, it's amazing. Oh, I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll try to find it if I can on Google Maps and send it to you at that location. Nice. All right. I'll look forward to that. Yeah. So what's the best advice you've been given? I would say, which I discussed earlier, like I think, which was if you pursue your passion, you know, any passion, you should pursue it wholeheartedly. You don't do anything half-assed. You know, I would say, sure, there are moments I have as an artist where you feel burnt out, where you have a creative block. I think last year, ever since the pandemic started, I've been going through a lot of this creative block, which thankfully has been coming to an end now. 
And it's a very natural thing to have. And I believe like, you know, give yourself time to reignite that spark in you, you know? So that's another thing. Don't force yourself to be inspired, basically. It should come to you naturally, you know? So that's the second advice I would give. So, yeah. And it's important to also like, you know, have perseverance, but also be patient, you know? So I would say that's the key. And don't be afraid to experiment around. I always love to experiment around, try something. Yeah. Do you have any advice for uh, artists joining the NFT space? Oh, yes. This is something I, I wanted to really, you know, discuss. And I, I, and I see a lot of artists joining right now, craving to get onto Super Rare because it's doing well. And I see many applying to it. But I would say that for anyone joining in, like they should stop being platform driven and they should start focusing on themselves. Like try to make yourself so unique at what you do in your craft that the platforms come looking for you and even the collectors or anyone come looking for you. That's the kind of mindset you should be having when you come into NFTs. Because with the current approach where artists are applying to getting onto a platform just because they see a lot of sales happening on there, there's no guarantee that you will have a sale even if you're on that platform. So that's why it's important for any new artist, emerging artists joining into the NFT space that focus on yourself, be true to yourself and carve a niche for yourself that no one else has in this space. And that uniqueness is what will take you forward, not only as an artist, but also in the NFT space and in general in life. Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, because I see it, unfortunately, like I see it does concern me at times, you know, like how everyone's craving to get onto a platform, you know, so that's one thing. And it's just that it's definitely a factor which I wanted to discuss. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I could tell it, <laughs> I could say it as it is no but, but yeah, because what I mainly have, I've, the other observation that which I've been seeing is like, I think it's this unfortunate mindset that if you get onto super rare, you've made it as an artist, which is not the right mindset. You know, it's like, I think generally I've seen, and it's generally the way the community I think is, is like anyone who gets onto super rare is like, it gives the impression like in a sense that they are better than you, which is not true because there are so many phenomenal artists who are not on super rare, but they're doing damn well, you know? So I think it's important for, especially for for artists, you know, to shift that mindset that they have to focus on themselves and stop worrying about which platform they're on. That's key. Learn to celebrate other artists' success in this space, right? That's important. But don't let their sales get to you. You know what I mean? So it's like, don't feel as if you're missing something. Don't feel that you are being left behind. That is a really important factor because as an artist, you have a path that is unique to you. And each one of us will have our time to shine when our time comes. And the other thing is not to be fooled by all these sales happening because the Twitter algorithm is skewed in such a manner that you know, like it basically gives importance to, let's say, any post that's going viral, right? So for example, if one artist is celebrating success, it feels as if, 
many other artists have been getting a sale, which is not true. It's only that particular artist who has got the sale. But there are many others who haven't got the sale. So that's basically the important thing which I wanted to you know, share with the audience and with the artists that you're not being left behind. So there are many out there who are still waiting, you know, who are still being patient for, you know, and they will have their moment to shine and not to give up. Important. <laughs> yeah, not to give up because this space will grind you like anything. Uh, I remember, you know, I feel so blessed to say this, but you were one of my first collectors, you know. I think this was back in June. I think it was June or July. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I was at the verge of, you know, like giving up, I would say. But thankfully, I kept hanging on because I was like, you know what? Just kill whatever expectations I had. Like, you know what? Just forget it. Like, be yourself and just enjoy the time you're having connecting with with other artists. And thankfully, I'm so glad that, you know, eventually I managed to get a sale thanks to you. So that was really a big boost of confidence for me as an artist, you know, like that I priced myself right based on my work. And that's definitely a big booster, you know, like it definitely ignited the spark in me again. Like there is a lot to be done, you know, like, so I said, and that really helped me push me forward. So, yeah. And the other thing I would just want to say to anyone who's joining in, any emerging artist joining in is that it's important for you to find your own tribe within a community. Right. So it's like because that tribe will end up acting like your support system. I think that's crucial. Find the people you resonate with most. Right. So that's why instead of using the word community, which is being thrown a lot out there, I would say one should focus on finding their tribe, you know, because that tribe will end up help promote you, will help promote your work, get the work out there. So. I think that's important in order to gain some recognition out here in the space. So yeah, these are the main points I wanted to highlight. They're good points. Good points, for sure. Yeah. Uh, now... Um, questions. Coming back to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the most interesting part. I have so many. Because I love to understand how people think. It fascinates me. Why do people think this way? So I have some questions which might intrigue you. Like, I would say, let's start with, what has been the most challenging time in your life? There's been a couple of times, I guess. I don't know. I guess one, I mean, kids are a challenge initially getting used to that. But 10 years ago, when my wife and I started a business for her, it was a lot of work. I mean, we were at the office at like 8.30 in the morning and staying till 11, 12 at night, trying to get things set up and going. And it was like a year of that. It was just a lot of work. It was good times because, I mean, it, it was a lot of work. It was good though because, I mean, you're working on becoming your own boss. That's very true. Oh, no, I can imagine the struggle, you know. I can relate to it as well, especially when my father passed away. I had to take over the business. And, oh, it's like you can feel the burden on you. You're like, you know, like, oh, God, okay. Now everything rests on your shoulder. So it's like quite a lot of responsibilities you have like okay you know especially to run a business it's not easy so i can relate to that yeah what do you do differently from other people <laughs> i like to think that i'm kind of a contrarian to begin with so i don't know i mean i'm left-handed i don't know if that has to do with it too but what do i do differently it's a tough one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I, I guess I, I like to just go against the trends usually. I mean, that's why I got in the crypto and everyone said you're wasting your money. And I was like, I don't know. It seems like it's pretty interesting. It seems like an amazing technology. Oh, <laughs> over the years, I've had friends like, you should cash out. I'm like, no, I think I should put in more. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been in this journey for in the crypto space? Like since like 14. Okay. Oh, I okay. Wow. That's amazing. Like right or 13 when Mount Gox was crashing down, crashing and burning. Okay. 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 Oh, it's quite some time. Wow. That's amazing. You've seen the entire life cycle almost of the crypto space. Close. Close. I mean, I missed the first couple few years, but. Wow. Okay. I have a scenario for you. I want to see how that, okay. You have a really close friend of yours, right? And who is about to propose to someone he loves and he asks you to record that special moment for him, right? You hit that record button. And as he gets on his knees and is about to propose, she says no. Do you stop recording or do you continue recording? Uh, oh, man. I would probably stop recording at, at that point. I mean, I've got the no in there. <laughs> oh, God. And would you delete it if he asks you to? Yeah, I mean, it, it's for him. He can Whatever he wants to do with it. You know what? I wouldn't even delete it. I would give him the SD card. This is yours. <laughs> you do with it what you need to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is really fascinating to know how would you take it. All right. What is your most treasured memory? Oh, man. Like three come to mind. So, like, wedding day was awesome. And then the birth of each of my kids when you first hold them. It's pretty crazy. I, I can imagine. It's a beautiful feeling, I would say. Yeah. It's a very emotional experience. It's crazy. Okay. Next question. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or a body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years, which one would you want? Well, the mind. All right. That's good. I would do the same. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could see a measuring scale above people's heads, what would you want this skill to measure? I mean, would you like it, their status in society, their level of happiness, their wealth? What exactly? What skill would you like to see? Oh, it'd be like <laughs> how happy they are. <laughs> like, <laughs> or, you know, how satisfied they are. Like, because then you'd be like, okay, well, that person's probably genuine <laughs> versus someone that's not satisfied. It's just potentially true. I would have a trust scale. Oh, that's that'd be a good one. Yeah. I would just see, all right. How much can you trust them? <laughs> Just imagine how much time you would save. <laughs> <laughs> Huge amount of time. Oh, man. So, pineapple on pizza? I won't order it. I will eat it if it's my option, but I won't order it. Okay. It's not a favorite of mine. Yeah, I don't mind it either. Uh, <laughs> and if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I'm pretty like real life qualities or imaginary <laughs> anything it could be even imaginary i think flying would be cool oh yeah i would dig that you could fly all the way here man that's <laughs> true true <laughs> and what advice would you give out to artists who haven't like say who are having a tough time making a sale or like who are new to the space and having or who haven't sold out their collection, what advice would you have for them? 
this is tough. There's lots of factors. I mean, market cycle could be a factor. Pricing could be an issue. I mean, I think a lot could be more realistic with like, you know, what would you sell this for in a coffee shop or somewhere else versus, you know, what the trend is on the in the crypto space. But there's a lot of variables there. And then just depending on like how involved you are in the community. Yeah, that's a big factor. I think that's one thing I've generally noticed. Like uh, the more involved you are, the better known you become. The more time you spend, the better people get to know you. That's why generally, like I remember when I onboarded artists back in March, April, I remember how the community shrinked because of the cycle that, you know, with the whole, like, and it did hurt me when I saw them leave or become inactive because they weren't fortunate enough to make sales, for example, you know, so they had other responsibilities and I don't blame them. Now I'm actively onboarding a lot of female artists into the space. I already onboarded one. She is an amazing, amazing portrait photographer. And, you know, one factor which I definitely look at is not only how great their work is as an artist, are they resilient? Are they, for example, supportive? Do they reach out to reshare other people's work? Because that's a really important factor to look into as well. Like, do they support others? There are many factors, not only just great work, but how are they as a human being? That's the biggest thing. Like, are they a community builder? You know, so this does play a role, I've noticed, when it comes to NFTs in this community we are in right now. But yeah, I know, I mean, that's why I'm being, you know, really, I would say, mindful whenever I'm onboarding any new artists in the space, you know. But yeah, I think we have a long way to go. Definitely when it comes to onboarding a lot of female artists, there's a massive disparity that exists. So I'm just focusing on that now. But yeah, I'd say, I think I covered everything else, I guess. But yeah, I think I've covered mainly all the questions, I guess. All right. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, I know it was really good. I think, did you like the questions? Yeah, they were good. They were good. Awesome. Had to consider them. Oh, Yeah. Okay, I think you will ask that next, I guess. I think regarding shout-outs, I guess. Yeah, you have any shout-outs? Well, yeah, I have a few. Oh, man, where did it go? I would like to give a shout-out to a lot of artists and as well as collectors like who have, let's say, brought the NFT community to where it is today. You know, First is obviously yourself. I mean, you have done a lot for the space. There's no doubt about it. You know, And I would also like to give a shout-out to Dee's incredible human being, humble down to earth. I love him as a brother. And he is just like, he's always out there, not only supporting artists, like, you know, unlike other collectors who come and go, he's always there, you know, he's always there to help. I think I would also like to give a shout out to Vince, to Tactics, you know, he's done a lot for the community, you know, which has really brought it to where it is right now. And also shout out to Cooper, for running the Obscura DAO. I hope I said it right, Obscura. <laughs> so, and they're doing a phenomenal job there. And also I would like to give a shout out to a lot of community, you know, community builders, I would say. Like Lori, she has done a phenomenal job on highlighting emerging artists in the space. Joshua, uh, he's another one, amazing artist, like who's supportive and he does spaces every now and then. You've got Glass Crown, also, you've got Jessica. She does uh, storm chasing as well. Uh, Jessica, really bad with names. <laughs> I took them all down. I can't find it on my phone. <laughs> Damn. And I would say David Ariu. Oh, yes. David Ariu is on top there. You know, I would not be in NFTs if it wasn't for him. And I would also, 
who else can I give a shout out to? There's so many names, you know, please forgive me. If you're listening to this and I told, take your name, don't kill me. Uh, boy, am I missing anyone? Oh yeah, Cody Conk, great guy, another amazing photographer. Louise, Louise, I believe that's how I pronounce his name. And yeah, I think that's mainly it. You know, I think if I missed out on anyone, I'll find out when they kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't really think of who else is. Oh, and Jacob as well. Jacob is amazing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think these are the names. That's a good list. That's a good list. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think Kino, I think she's done phenomenal for when it comes to marketing programs on spaces. Yeah, I think they're phenomenal. Without these community builders, there's no way NFT would be where it is right now. Right, right. Barbara, thank you for coming on so much. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you for having me here. And yeah, I, I think I, I think uh, we, we covered quite a lot, I would say. Yeah, we did. We did. It was a good one. Yeah. But thank you so much. Thank you so much, man, for having me here. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely catch up again soon. Who is this guy? 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 Norcal guy. 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 Norcal and chill. Show. It's chill time. NorCal and Shill podcast. What the shill? The shill? NorCal and Shill podcast. Show. It's shill time. NorCal and Shill podcast. What the shill? The shill?